On today's episode of Locked On Suns, how Phoenix can dominate the paint in a way they have not in years, and why doing so could decide the NBA championship. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcasts. A big thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen here on this Wednesday. I am off to Seattle tomorrow. There will be one more show to close out the week with Aaron Edwards. We're here to talk today about the nitty-gritty of basketball. Yeah, that, that is what we do on this show from time to time. So hit follow or subscribe. We'll be here every single day for you. Once September hits, we're Monday through Friday for now. Get this show in your feed every time that it airs by hitting follow or subscribe. Become an everyday or get locked onto the Phoenix Suns each and every day. Satiate your sicko love of this team. Uh, I am right there with you, so we will do it all together as basketball gets closer to us this fall. Talking the paint today. Talking about the interior a region of the court the Suns have struggled to own in recent years. So we'll go through some of the details of how they've struggled and why it matters that they get better and how they can get better. But let's start with the big picture. The best teams in the NBA own the inside. Offensively, defensively, or both. That's not just hypothetical. That's not just my opinion. That is a fact. That is what the NBA shows us, even as the league gets more three-point happy and players who are, you know, ground-bound, post-up, unathletic centers, or even athletic centers who don't get to have the ball in their hands and can't shoot and everything, they continue to struggle. And they continue to be played out of the league. And the teams everywhere take more threes. The paint still matters. The Nuggets were sixth in their at the rim rate last year, and second in efficiency at the rim. They were top four, uh, sorry, the top four, the top four in how they took away the rim defensively, so the team that limited at rim rate the best. The top four in that category were the Warriors, Celtics, Bucks, and Heat. Those teams all made... Uh, well, in the case of the Bucks, not so much, but obviously they won the championship two years ago and were in the conference finals or the second round last year. They lose to Miami, but those are four of the better defenses in the league, four of the best teams in the league. You had the Celtics, Sixers, Warriors, and Nuggets were all in the top 10 in half-court offense, largely because they diversified and were able to get to the basket consistently. And then on the other end, you have both the Bucks and the Lakers, both top five in half-court defense. Again, two of the better teams in the league. You have a conference finalist and a you know championship favorite and dominant regular season team in there. So that's just a, a sampling of the best handful of teams in the league are frequently and clearly represented at the top of these lists. Now the Suns, let's go to their side of things. 30th in at-rim rate, 18th in at-rim 
Efficiency, 12th, uh, and that's on offense. Defensively, outside the top 10 in both rate and efficiency, meaning that they allowed teams to get to the basket and they allowed teams to make those shots at a middling rate. Not terrible, but not elite. So really, in none of the categories around the basket did the Suns finish in the top 10. That's the most succinct way to put that. In terms of half-court offense, half-court defense, they were the number one statistic that you should feel good about because the personnel defensively and the interior with Durant and Aiton is going to be similar this season, is that the Suns were fifth in half-court defense last year. Now, obviously... A lot of that happened before Durant ever got there, and Aiton had a down year. So it was some of some of that was, was other things. Guys like Okogi, guys like Jock Landale, guys like Tory Craig, obviously Mikhail Bridges for most of the year contributed to that. Aiton did, of course, too. He even a down year for him is like a middling center, not a not an awful center, but that was, you know, not his best season either. But that's cause for optimism going forward. And we'll talk about it more later on in the show when I go offense and defense. But they were 21st in half-court offense. So outside, you know, bottom 10 in half-court offense, outside the top 10 in at-rim defense, and bottom half of the league, if not lowest in the league, in one category in terms of how they scored at the rim when they were on offense. So I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers. I know I'm bouncing around, but you're hearing me. I know the point is, and it's a point you probably knew generally before you ever tuned into this episode i'm just solidifying it with some numbers the suns struggle to own the area around the basket which is one of the most valuable portions of the court in basketball still to this day and which is a part of the court that the best teams in the league including the denver nuggets who are the best team the champion the number one you know nemesis that the suns are going to have in the western conference that they particularly dominated, right? There's no one stat, right, that explains how teams can win in the NBA. I am not trying to sit here and make the case that this is the only thing that matters. I think the Suns need to take and make more threes, especially with the personnel that they have that should be better able to do that. They need to, you know, obviously things like turnovers and, um, you know, clutch scoring and there's all these categories that matter not sitting here trying to tell you sorry my dog is uh jumping around as i'm talking and i'm looking down for the youtube audience but i'm telling you that the reason i'm emphasizing it is because it's so important and because it's something that the suns have largely been unable to dominate as they have even as they've won in recent years so we're going to break down the offensive end and the defensive end and how they can start to flip that script, how they can start to win those areas. Let's start with offense. First, today's show brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Football season is kicking off soon, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. I love this promotion because it is not just bonus bets. It is not just based on winning or losing. Right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you get bonus bets each time that they win in the regular season, all right? So I talked about this the first time we promoted it. My sweet spot here is a team that has good value for the Super Bowl, which every I don't know, nobody has minus odds right now, so you're getting pretty good value no matter what in early August. But 
maybe a team a little bit down in the in the pecking order of Super Bowl odds, but that you expect to be a great regular season team. So maybe they have a, a question mark at one position or one side of the ball, but they might have an easy division, something like that. That's their sweet spot. You can use those bonus bets once you get them on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Again, you get a bonus bet each time that your Super Bowl pick wins a regular season game using this promo at FanDuel. Here's how to get involved. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Start earning those bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. All right. We are talking offense. We're talking paint offense, interior offense. Again, all based on the idea that there is low-hanging fruit for the Suns to establish more control over the most important area of the basketball court as they try to improve and finally get over the hump to win this championship with one of the most talented teams in the NBA, which they clearly are. But let's dive into the numbers, all right? Aiton shot 79% at the rim last season. Devin Booker shot 68%. Bradley Beal shot 72%. Kevin Durant shot 78%. Those were all in the 70th percentile or better for their position. So you're talking about not only a big four, not only a so-called super team, if you'd like to call it that, but a team and an arrangement of players who all have the potential when they get inside to be incredibly effective. Okay? We know that Booker... And Durant and Beal, to a lesser extent, can also draw fouls when they get inside. It's not just about making layups and dunks. It is about using that penetration to then get an even easier shot, which if you're a good shooter and all three of the star scorers are, eight and can be, it depends. Um, those are easy points as well. So that's it's where we're starting. We're looking at a situation where the, this team has the talent to be effective in this category. It's just about doing it, right? They were 17th in transition offense, points per possession. And I'm going to go through this particular uh, on the offensive end, really from a Nuggets point of view, because that's obviously the team that, uh, that eliminated the Suns. That is obviously the team that went on to win the NBA championship. And that is the team that I think also really reinforces and drives home the importance of starting to make progress with the way that you control the paint. I don't know if you're ever going to be better than the Nuggets in in that capacity, but they're so physical, they are so big, and they are so... Uh, they play so forcefully that you have to at least match them, if not surpass them. So again... Transition offense is an easy way to get to the basket. The the Suns were 17th in transition efficiency. The Nuggets were third. The Suns were 28th in transition frequency, so they rarely ran uh, offensively. Denver was ninth. I know that flipped a little bit in the postseason. I know that flipped a little bit in general once Durant got here, but for all intents and purposes, we're just using the raw numbers from the regular season. The Suns were sixth in offensive rebounding rate. One of the better ones, again, half-court offense was good. Offensive rebounding rate was good. Those go hand-in-hand. The Nuggets were also good, though, at 11th. The Suns were 13th in points per missed shot. So that's looking at once you miss, even if you're a good offensive rebounding team, how effective are you turning that into points? The Suns were 13th there. So they were getting offensive rebounding rebounds but weren't as elite in terms of putbacks, kickouts, those types of things. The Nuggets were 4th. So... 
The Suns were getting more offensive rebounds, but the Nuggets were making more of those putback shots when they got the opportunity. Last but not least, the Suns got to the line fourth least in the NBA, and we know Denver when they are on with guys like Jokic especially, but even Gordon, even Bruce Brown, who's not there anymore, of course, Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, but especially Jokic. So that's like statistically kind of the big picture of of how things are looking. But let's look a little bit closer. So obviously offense and defense, when you're comparing within a series, you can't separate the two because I'll tell you right now, the Nuggets were, uh, sorry, the Suns were outscored by the Nuggets in the paint by 58 points in their six-game series this year. Well, it's sort of a chicken and egg thing, right? Was that because they... The Suns themselves couldn't outscore, couldn't score in the paint, or was that because they couldn't stop Denver from scoring in their paint? It's both, is the answer. It's just hard to necessarily wait it out between the two. I tend to think that because it's not just a trend from this one Denver series, and it's something we've seen for years now, that I do I do feel comfortable saying that a lot of it is is the offense. We will get to the defense next, but I think in these particular categories, you just saw a Suns team that once their star players were not able to get that penetration, you saw Bruce Brown and Aaron Gordon giving Kevin Durant hell. You saw Booker um, you know, having to take tough shots or pass the ball because of how much attention he was getting, and he was making a lot. He was still incredible, but was having to make a lot of tough mid-range jumpers or blitz pass everybody in transition in order to get his points. It wasn't as if he was just getting layups every time. And so with that and those those restrictions that Durant and Booker faced, they started to take bad shots. They started to you know, have to pa- pass it out and try to be bailed out by shooters who were overmatched, TJ Warren, Landry Shamit, Chris Paul, et cetera. So To me, it was more of an offensive issue. So again, Denver outscored Phoenix by 58 points in the paint in their series this past year. They also out-rebounded Phoenix by 18 on the offensive glass in that series. I didn't go through and count up the free throw attempt totals, but I would imagine that favored the Nuggets too. It's just not a winning recipe. And again, it's happened for more than just this Nuggets series. The same trend in terms of the Suns being owned at the free throw line, points in the paint, and offensive rebounds has been the case in every series. Now, the Mav series may be a little bit of an outlier in terms of points in the paint and in terms of offensive rebounds. That's not a team that necessarily beat the Suns that way, but obviously we know from a free throw attempt standpoint, Luka lived at the line and even that, that, that penetration ability from Doncic was more consistent than anything that Phoenix was able to do when you remember that Booker was not at his peak as a, as a playmaker and driver yet, and he was, you know, in hell himself and, and everything else. So, the Bucks series, the Mavs series, the Nuggets series, the past three years where Phoenix has gotten eliminated, they've been on the wrong end of, of all of these categories. They need to get better. But again, to to come full circle to what I started with, you know, we had the good news, bad news, and I started with good news. The Suns' four best players all make shots at a really high, if not elite level, when they are at the rim. It is about getting there. 
It is about turning defense into offense. It is about continuing to, to, to hit the offensive glass when you can. It is about spacing the floor better so that there are openings for the Suns' best players to get into the teeth of the defense. I look at, you know, the, let's say, at-rim frequency, which I talked about last uh, segment. I don't think they're going to be top 10 in that category, but you're talking about improving from last, right? (laughs) You're talking about improving from 28th in transition offense frequency to closer to middle of the pack. I mean, it would go such a long way if the Suns could even be 15th in at rim rate and 28 uh, and sorry, and 15th in transition rate. Their offensive efficiency takes a huge bump just from that. And that's when you set aside the fact that Bradley Beal is now on this team in a full season of Kevin Durant. There are again, low hanging fruit, these easy ways that they can do it. And of course, yes, you're going to need to see a continued determination by all four of these guys to get those easy shots, to not always settle for mid-range jumpers, especially against the best opponents, the best defenses, the closest games, and then, of course, when playoff time comes around. There are going to be games in the regular season where the Suns can win by jump shooting their opponent to death. They've done that for three years. They did that under Monty Williams. But to really balance their team out, be more consistently effective, get those easy points, they will need to improve in these categories, and they can. Defense. Told you the Suns were a top five half-court defense, the fifth half-court defense, and better in terms of limiting their opponents' interior scoring, even if they didn't score there themselves too well. So they have an advantage here, but again, there's areas where they can continue to improve. We'll talk about those after one more quick break. All right, we're closing out the show. Let's talk defense. Let's talk paint defense. DeAndre Ayton allowed 62% shooting at the rim last season. And again, I... I want to be clear, defensively, DeAndre Ayton took a step back. There were puzzling moments from an effort and an awareness standpoint that were troubling, that got a lot of attention, that should have gotten a lot of attention. But in terms of rim protection, in terms of the the just sort of the statistical stuff, yes, the Suns' defense was better when he was off the court, but that's been true even in his best moments. It's just a strange byproduct of them being a fairly deep team and having good backup centers most of his career, et cetera, et cetera. So... I don't take it too harshly, and even with all that said, the rim protection stuff was still middle of the pack, and that's fine. Nevertheless, just to illustrate what what middle of the pack really looks like, his defensive field goal percentage allowed at the rim was worse than Kristaps Porzingis, Yusuf Nurkic, Zach Collins, and his current new backup, Drew Eubanks. So... Not ideal, right? Um, He's better than those guys, and he should be a better defensive anchor on the interior than they are. The Suns uh, were 14th in transition frequency allowed, so again, outside the top 10, and 11th in total transition defense. That's basically the additional offensive impact that they allowed to their opponent by how they defended in transition. It's a cleaning-the-glass stat, but it doesn't really matter how it's calculated. The point is... They were 11th in it, and it's the best we have. (laughs) All right, so again, not bad, but not elite. 
and they fouled more than any defense in the NBA. And that's really the starting point to me. That's something that Frank Vogel teams have not really done. And even allowing 62% at the rim is not something that Frank Vogel defenses have typically done, or Frank Vogel starting centers have typically done, right? So I think that you very clearly should be able to clean those two things up. Really, all three of these. And the reason I shouted them out is not just because the Suns were fairly poor at them, but it's because those three things are the hallmark of Frank Vogel defenses. He's going to have a, a, an anchor rim protector that is put into position to succeed and is effective at their role. He should make a, a big impact on Aiton in that category. He Vogel's teams limit transition opportunities by their opponent, almost without fail. They are almost always elite in that category, and they don't foul. To me, you know, Aiton is a big part of that. I think the improvement, the, uh, the addition of Eubanks as the backup center versus what the Suns had there last year. I mean, obviously, Biombo was really good for what he was, but had a very specific role, did not have a lot of versatility to his, to his game on it, on either end of the floor, and Eubanks is a little bit bigger, a little bit more physical of a player overall, not just somebody who is going to block shots, but can impact the game defensively in other ways, move his feet a little bit better, all that stuff. Plus Aiton. Plus, I would even argue that more veteran personnel should help here, but you can kind of quibble with that. I know, obviously, the Suns bench is somewhat on the younger side, but when you just think of it from the standpoint of the six you know highest minute players could be you know the starting five plus a Kogi the starting five plus Bates Diop those guys are all into their you know mid to late 20s or older in the case of Durant and of Gordon so I would imagine that if those guys all stay healthy and play a lot of minutes that should help and you know on on down the line the personnel is there the opportunities are there you mix it with the coaching this is probably the best example of low-hanging fruit when you add it all up like that. To me, the definition of NBA defensive game planning, NBA defensive scheming, defensive strategy, the one that I like the most is choosing what to take away. That is effectively what you are doing when you are game planning an NBA defense. And the Suns, too often, the past few years... Frankly, we're not able to take anything away. Okay? They they weren't they didn't stop anything consistently. It's not to say that they were a bad defense. I think the first two Chris Paul seasons, the Suns were a top I think they were actually a top 10 defense last year. So I believe all 3 years of the Chris Paul era, they were a top 10 defense. They were middle of the pack Monty's first season, right? But you can only sort of execute your way to a good defense for for so long and then you run up against Giannis Antetokounmpo you run up against Luka Doncic you run up against Nikola Jokic and those teams role players as well and and everything then you have to be able to have something to rely on you have to have a, a core set of non-arguables and the flexibility to play around within that the Suns have the defensive personnel 
with the size that they have, the switchability that they have, the rim protection that they have to take away the rim, take away the paint. But depending on what lineup is out there or what opponent they're up against, that can take a different form. And so that that should be and, and likely will be if everything goes according to plan, that will be what they take away. They're going to switch a lot when the starters are out there. But they're always going to have Aiton planted at the basket. They are likely to have Kevin Durant hovering in a, in a rotating helper role to be a, an additional line of rim protection. They are going to have, you know, point of attack defense in a Kogi, in Jordan Goodwin, even in Beal and Booker, hopefully, that can limit the driving of primary playmakers on the perimeter. And they're going to have swarming help defenders, non-rim protection, but just sort of, you know, help collapsing in, peeling into the, into the paint, uh, you know, helping from the weak side to get bodies in the way of the, between the player and the rim, all that stuff, because they're, I mean, the, the start, I know I keep harping on this, but the starting lineup, if they don't start a traditional point guard like Goodwin, which I doubt they will do, or if they don't start somebody like Kogi, what I mean is if it's Bates Diop or if it's Eric Gordon, depending on the situation and context, you're talking about all guys who are, you know, like six, four or bigger, all guys who have plus wingspans and the bench is full of that too. You're going to be able to really cut off penetration into the interior of the bas- uh, of the paint, into the uh, area of the basket and everything else. And once these guys get there, you're talking about likely the best rim protection season of Aiton's career, maybe the highest kind of block rate of his career, a full season of Duran as an extra guy, as I've said, and now I'm starting to repeat. Hiring Frank Vogel, giving him that personnel, giving him what he needs to implement what he has always done is a choice of what to take away, and that's the paint. And it should thrust the Suns into the upper echelon of NBA defenses in that one category and give them a much more consistent opportunity to match those teams inside, offensively have a chance to get even with them based on what we talked about in the last segment, and just overall have a better chance to win games and not be out-schemed, not be overwhelmed like we've seen so often. Nerdy show. Hope you liked it. That was fun, right? All right. Thank you. We'll be back Friday with Aaron Edwards. Uh, Maybe I'll just publish it Thursday. We're recording it tomorrow before I leave out of town. Either way, that's what you have to look forward to to close out the week. We will be talking about maybe Team USA. I'm not too sure. Maybe some power ranking fun. I have some ideas up my sleeve. You know Aaron and I will give you a good show. So hit follow or subscribe. Become an everyday or get locked onto the Phoenix Suns each and every day as we head toward training camp, the preseason, schedule stuff coming out next week. We know that for sure and more. I'll talk to you guys then.